Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. Not just any episode. This is a very special episode because my guest today is the wild and wonderful Malcolm Saunders. Malcolm Saunders' mission is to inspire positive contribution in the world while helping individuals build the health of themselves and their local communities. Gee, as I read that, I'm reminded of my purpose here on this earth and my mission statement as a human being. So that's why this episode is special special to me. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about Malcolm. He's the founder and the creative visionary of The Light Cellar. It's a specialty superfood shop and elixir bar and teaching kitchen based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. He is the author of the book Elixir Life, where modern nutrition meets ancient herbal wisdom, a practical guide to help you craft your own nourishing beverages. So again, (laughs) very, very uh, a kindred soul, you could say, because crafting nourishing beverages is something that I also share with Malcolm. So he was actually gracious to offer you guys, the listener, um, a free copy of this book if you use the code rewild at thelightseller.ca. So that's L-I-G-H-T-C-E-L-L-A-R.ca. So in today's episode, Malcolm does a great job at discussing how our Canadian food guide falls short and he offers some practical tips to help us change the way we look at food and be less dogmatic and more intuitive. So today's episode being very much about intuitive eating. I like that Malcolm is standing strong in his purpose right now, especially so right now. Um, even though, you know, his message or the message of the show that is might be counter to the mainstream narrative that is on how to take care of ourselves during a pandemic and beyond, right? So believing that we have the ability to heal from within. And I feel like saying the truth that, you know, there's nothing to fear right now. I feel like saying that is courageous. And it's just it's just odd to me because thinking back to Winston Churchill, I believe, saying there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And now our leaders are just saying the absolute opposite. And I've heard that around a little bit and I think it's I think it's fitting here. So I feel like this message is timely because unlike what we're all hearing about this virus, Malcolm's message and this podcast again, um, you know, believe that you have what you need to in order to bolster your immune system. And a big part of that is what we eat and how we embody our purpose and create harmony with mind and body. So that's exactly the kind of antidote, if you will, to all this uh, virus right now. I feel like that's the only thing we really can do is take good care of ourselves, right? So, and well, I should actually add to that, that we're also taking care of our elderly because any good functioning or well-functioning society is going to be taking care of their elderly when there is a outbreak of some type of virus or flu, no matter how how damaging it may be, right, to the tribe. I mean, it is that time of year that we are, I mean, we are mammals, and it's that time of year where we start to hurt up again and want to get close to each other for warmth and just that overall spiritual connection during this dark time or this time where we go inward. So I think it is important that we go inward. We know whether or not we're healthy. We know how to take care of ourselves. We learn that from our elders. We learn that from our society, from our political leaders, from our big institutions, from our medical professionals that we can take care of ourselves. And, you know, if we aren't feeling so well, we know that. And we know that maybe we won't get close to the herd here tonight or when it gets cold. We'll stay away from grandma and grandpa and the people who need protection, right? So I think people are smart and I love this episode because we tap into yet again on this show that intuitive aspect that we all have. So I hope we can all agree that Big and small institutions all have agendas or let's say mission statements, if you will, right? So if you have a business, you've got a business plan, it has a mission statement. 
if that's how you do your business plans or what have you, right? If you don't, you don't have that. But ideally you all, everyone, every institution or organization or individual even for that matter has a mission statement to some regard, right? They have a purpose. So right now, if you call out someone like say the tech industry for censorship or Bill Gates or the CDC for having financial financial interest in say the vaccine narrative, people immediately call you a conspiracy theorist, I feel like. And that's problematic because it doesn't leave space for civil discussion. I feel like it just silences individuals. And that's not, that's not part of the scientific method anyways. It, and in regards to a lot of this stuff, I feel like, or the reason why we're not hearing this narrative as to taking care of ourselves is because this other stuff is trying, it's just taking the main stage about masks and lockdowns. And I don't think, um, well, one, there's not enough, science could go either way on this. And it's still gaining a deeper understanding of what is what. Um, but any, anywho, and I guess why this is important is because I created this show to help listeners gain that health science literacy or just science literacy. And where, again, I guess better understand where the limits on knowledge are within modern or Western medicine specifically in regard or in relation to, say, like natural therapies, forest therapy and other nature-based therapies. So anyways, um, I feel like it is the mission of the political medical complex to make sure that someone like me who knows our body or your body, all of our bodies can heal if you give it what it needs to do so right now is being labeled as a quack. And that's just the furthest thing from the truth. I've uh, not to say just uh, gone about it professionally, but embodying health, I think gives me um, a powerful voice in this space as does my guest actually. So um, anyways, I just feel like they, i.e., let's say the mainstream narrative, if there is a they that's actually doing this, I don't necessarily believe that, but like subconsciously or in the collective of the, of the they here, um, they're doing this because they know um, it's counter to their mission of making people think that they need to depend on their politicians, right? They need to depend on these uh, pharmaceutical companies to make a, a, a cure for this, right? Um, I feel like everyone's trying to create need right in this time, whether it is whatever your brand is, everyone has a mission. They want them to be a part of it and need their product. Right. So I just, again, not the stuff's not conspiracy. This is just honestly looking at the way the world works. So I feel like people want an antidote. So do you guys want an antidote? Well, I feel like I've got one. I believe Malcolm, you know, has a great antidote and that's that we must embody the change we want to see and not just talk about it or say, read about it. It's a time to not remain silent, but yet embody that. Figure that out is worth what that is for yourself, your purpose that is, and then embody that, right? You don't have to go screaming it from a mountaintops or start a podcast if you don't want to. Do what's right for you, right? But at least know what that is and then walk that talk, right? So I want to move past all this stuff about uh, conspiracy theories and what have you. I really do want to just dive right into this episode today. Um, there's so much I could say in this regard in, about testing and uh, certain thing about cases right now. And I think I'm going to get into that with uh, a future guest here very, very soon. And just asking questions as to um, in and around the theory of 2020 and the uh, change in power from the West to say China, right? So China being the dominant hegemonic state here in 2020 and beyond as it looks like it will be just because there's a lot of political craziness right now if you haven't noticed so um yeah we're gonna chat about that soon in another episode so what else can i say well i am going to slow down on releasing episodes here up until the end of the year so that i can focus on 
putting the finishing touches on this paper that I'm writing uh, in regards to nature connection and its role in moderating the health benefits of contact or immersion in nature. So really looking forward to actually wrapping that up here as the winter solstice comes to me here and or to us all, I guess I should say. And yeah, uh, other than that, um, still trying to secure a some venison for my freezer. Um, and it's been a lovely balancing act between the beings and doings in my life. So yeah, writing this paper as one of the doings and then the being just trying to sit there quietly, patiently waiting for that right deer to walk by me. So um, still haven't had that opportunity yet, but um, we'll keep you posted, I guess, via social media stories and whatnot. Um, and yeah, other than that, what else can I say about some episodes have uh, have coming up. There will be, um, again, like I said, stuff in regards to the political climate right now. Uh, I'm going to actually release a best of at the end of this year. And I'm really looking forward to actually putting this out because it's going to be a best of, or what I believe is the best of, because I can't quite fit them all in to an hour. Um, but what I'm going to try to do is put the best of the final question that I ask all guests. And that is, what is your wildest dream? For the earth. So I thought that would be a really awesome and inspiring way. Um, that's my favorite part of this show. And I think listening back to all of them as I compile this uh, best of list, uh, it's going to just give me goosebumps. And I hope it does the same for you guys because there was some really inspiring moments here caught in this podcast. And I think that question kind of encapsulate, encapsulates a lot of the things that um, oh, there's a lot of themes there anyways. And I think it's really good for us to hear those things right now. So anyways, thank you guys very much for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. I think we're officially uh, going to kick things off and get started here. Uh, Malcolm Saunders, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Sean, for having me on. Yeah, honestly, it's really great to have you here. Um, been really enjoying all your content online and uh, just recently to prep for the show, dive deeper into your work, which, um, yeah, I think we're going to have a great show and we can uh, have a lot of in-depth dialogue on things that I think is important for people right now. Um, but yeah, like... I guess what I'll do, I would love to have, you know, more so a discussion that would help listeners gain, you know, a, a comprehensive and different perspective on, say, our immune system and viruses and, um, you know, maybe where the mainstream narrative is falling short um, to support the creation of vitally healthy, happy, resilient human beings, you know? So I find we're living in this world right now, and I guess I can start with this. We're living in this world right now where the mainstream media, from my perspective anyways, as a health science PhD student and just a longtime political observer, um, we're getting a lot of cherry picking of studies um, to sell us on a specific narrative of the world. Um, and I believe it just really comes down to us having more health science literacy and just overall health sovereignty, right? So um, I just, yeah, I want to pick your brain on some of the stuff you've been sharing on Instagram in regards to censorship and, you know, some of the biased media things, um, but overall how folks 
can take better care of themselves that might be more in line with the healing powers of nature and the, and the rhythms of nature, right? So, um, and so many people I'm sure have been turning to you. They've been turning to me um, in this time where they're kind of just fed up with this mainstream narrative and they want to know what they can do to take control, right? So I'll, I'll kind of segue it over to you there. And I guess first ask, before we dive too deep down the rabbit hole is like, tell us about your background um, into entrepreneurship. Um, tell us about, you know, your path into superfoods, intuitive eating and all things like herbal elixirs and whatnot. Cool, right on. So yeah, and, and thank you again for having me on. This conversation is uh, is so important and you're right, I am receiving a ton of feedback as I have just trusted, you know, stepped up and began sharing and I'm definitely fully living my purpose uh, which I had been uh, doing for a couple of decades, uh, but it wasn't always so easy. Uh, it is a journey. I know many people can probably relate to, you know, just that existential question, you know, like, what's my purpose in life? You know, what am I here for? Uh, I've always had a yearning to to contribute, to be a positive contribution to society. And since March, like, you know, I was I always have been, but uh, have definitely stepped up, you know, mm. to the 10th degree in terms of, you know, fully living my purpose. And uh, there, there's kind of two guiding principles. So the, the first one is, is very much tied into my business, Light Seller, which uh, exists to help people uh, find and learn how to craft their own food and medicine. medicine. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, and, we will. Uh, been, been working on that, helping people both in a kind of a, a physical way of like, hey, where, where do I find this stuff, right? As our choices from the grocery store have just narrowed and narrowed and narrowed, uh, the diversity of our diet has reduced and reduced, and the quality of the food has gone down and down and down. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. There are uh, channels and avenues uh, and, you know, that we can source out really good high quality food that absolutely nourishes us and tied in with that is that understanding of well, what is my food and medicine how do I feed myself I ended up on this path uh, and, and I guess I'll just mention my other kind of mission and uh, and it'll all tie together before I get into that story so the other one is kind of on a personal level is inspiring positive contribution in in society mm -hmm. right uh, I for me was kind of as a young 16 year old um, I've was living in suburban Calgary, uh, kind of facing this reality of, uh, uh, you know, a, a Monday to Friday, nine to five, right? This kind of prison sentence that you're, you know, you're going to go to school, you're going to get good grades to get a good job, to be well paid. And that was, you know, farthest um, from what I wanted. I, I felt like I was in a prison of, of high school and then just the imagining of like, okay, more school and then into the workforce. Like just, it just didn't, you know, it was a dead end for me. Mm -hmm. and, but music was an absolute, uh, passion and a connection. So I did go to school, but uh, at the end of a two-year jazz music degree, <laughs> I, I realized that it wasn't going to get me that high-paid position. Uh, so I, I did what any um, you know young person conscientious of their future does, uh, which is I, I basically gave everything up and went traveling. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, my journeys led me all around the world. You know, the grass is always greener, uh, you know, for a time. I, I feel like there's there's an incredible experience that uh, one can have learning, searching, exploring, you know, getting out of your own backyard. Uh, and that's what I did. I followed what my favorite herbalist, Stephen Herod Buner, says, golden threads, right? It was just one thing after another, like, oh, wow, like synchronicity. I just started reading this book and, hey, there's like a society for it just down the street. I'm going to go hang out with them. And, wow, they got a center in California. 
California. I'm going to go hang out with them. And then I was back to the West, you know, up in Canada and just went like that um, until all of a sudden uh, I had found myself, um, I met my partner. We'd been traveling through Scotland, England, India, Nepal, and uh, moments. We were in India for six months and uh, we were were meditating. At that time, I'd been meditating. I'd gotten deep into this style of meditation called Vipassana. I was sitting from anywhere from four to 14 hours a day, um, basically just trying to get away from the world and and find myself, right? I didn't like the influence the world was having the direction it was going and and i wanted to have the least amount of influence on the world very kind of caught into the environmentalism movement right just having that deep ecological wound of of just like ah oh, what are we doing to the earth and right. how are people living and look at them you know like this kind of you know zombie mentality of just their everyday existence and I'm like i'm just gonna escape right and, and and find myself i'll find my own kind of inner peace and happiness but yet I was still finding that the world was having an influence on me. It was, it was, it was hard to escape. Mm. So I came kind of full circle as uh, we had arrived in India and I'd been on this kind of, you know, almost this yogic kind of monastic path, uh, even considering like, well, maybe I'll just become a monk and, you know, live in a cave, right? mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of a thing. Right. And, uh, but what I was hearing from a lot of these traditions was that now is not the time for that, you know, and now's the time to, to be in the world, to help change the world. And, and yes, you can have your practice and you can be spiritual. You can find yourself, but mm-hmm. we need people out in the world, bringing that consciousness into the everyday and changing our communities. And simultaneous to that, uh, my wife had a recurring dream. We weren't married at the time, but we had just met and it was kind of one of those stories of love at first sight. Like it was like, Oh, hello, we're going to spend the rest of our life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went on. And, and traveled and, and she, she arrived in India and every single night she had a recurring dream of returning home pregnant and uh, she didn't tell me that until later <laughs> but uh, sure enough that, that dream came true and here I was this kind of you know meditating hippie with a jazz music degree that had avoided jobs at every you know point and turn right. was suddenly now faced with this okay, you got to be a provider, you know, like, right. and, and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And, and I was, I was maturing into that, like, okay, um, I've, I've done a ton of work on myself. I have a bit more idea of who I am and how do I show up in the world? How do I contribute? How do I make a living to support myself, but also a positive contribution mm-hmm. uh, to the world? And so that's where the food part had come in where, at 16, with that thread of kind of environmentalism, I had some like vegan punk friends, like anarchists, right? right. And, and they, you know, they stood for something, uh, and then they did it with their diet, and they did it with you know, you know, music and, and other things. And so I was like, okay, I was never a vegan punk. I was, I was more kind of like, you know, the, the hippie type. Right. Um, yeah. So I was like, you know, it was a Tuesday afternoon. Unlike any other, I'd, I'd come home. I'd been thinking about this for a while, and I, and I had this announcement. I was like, "Mom, I'm going to become a vegetarian." Mm. She's like, "Well, uh, you're still going to eat this supper, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> she's she's Scottish, right? And uh, meat, potatoes. Um, my brother and I like love junk food. Uh, you know, to me, honestly, like I, I didn't have a view that was eating junk food. It was just whatever is quick, easy, and tasted good. Right. And as, as you know, and most people know, well, what that is in society is a lot of packaged food, a lot of processed food. Um, and it was a huge wake up for me in that moment to go from meat and potatoes and junk food to just potatoes and junk food. Mm-hmm. 
right. uh, where things did not go so well. Yeah. <laughs> um, it basically brought all these issues to the surface, like blood sugar issues, um, you know, fainting spells, like no energy, all the color ran from my face. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a very quick, you know, wake up call to, oh, there is something to food. And I was so committed to the ideals of, you know, using my dietary choices as a, as a force of change uh, that I was like, okay, I better figure out how to do this. And um, mom was so supportive. Uh, she was going through a divorce at the time. And she said, you know, Malcolm, I, I support you, but I, but I can't help you. So you're, you're on your own. And, you know, she bought me some cookbooks and this and that. And, you know, and, and I dove in and it took me so many years. And, and spoiler alert, like it was at least 12 years that it took me to realize I'm, I'm not meant to be a vegetarian. I went down every different rabbit hole and iteration of vegetarian. I was, I think I was on my way trying to beat a breatharian, right? It was like, right, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, vegetarian to vegan to raw vegan. Uh, and I learned a ton, a ton mm -hmm. about my body, about nutrition. But in the end, uh, the real place that I came to was about following my gut more than nutrition trends right. and looking at traditional diets, cultural diets, and really honoring the wisdom of, of ancestors and my own biology. And uh, so I've got some great insights that I'm sure that we'll get into yeah. about that and that whole journey. So I think those are the two kind of threads that we're going to go down today yeah. is, um, yeah, is, is food nutrition, but also kind of being in the world, showing up, the world needs leaders, the world needs everyone's voice to speak up. I mean, that's one of the most shocking things that I've seen since March. And, and partly what kind of propelled me was, you know, like, I know we want to get into this too, is this idea of, of, of the intuition, right? Like mm -hmm. ever since this happened, like I know so many people, they're like, something's not quite right about this. Like something's not quite right. And we're, mm -hmm. we're being fed mm -hmm. this kind of narrative and we're trying to like look and see and like, okay, well, well, what's going on? And we're trying to read science papers and we're trying to be part, you know, like listen to the discussions and, and then the media narrative. And it's like, we just know something's wrong. And, and now we have so much more data than we did back then, but it's mm -hmm. just been the slow unfoldment of something's not quite right. What's going Going on where is this leading and here we are now today and along that journey i was like well who's you know who's speaking out and anyone that did it was like it was almost like whack-a-mole it was like boom like you know like knockdown right. knockdown like discredited you know you're bad or, or whatever and it was this kind of reluctance of like okay like i i have to say something you know right. i you know, I'm a, I have a very tiny platform in the sense that I have a community and people that, you know, have received a lot of benefit for what I've put out through food and nutrition. And, and this ultimately does tie in because it's about health. But I think it is about, you know, anyone, you know, the, the stay at home mom, the, the dad work in the office, the, you know, the kid going to school. It's like if you know something's off, if you're feeling it, you have that intuition and you have your intellect to put this together. And I think it's, it's the result of a society that has, um, you know, discouraged, uh, you know, as much as we say, like, oh, freedom of expression and, you know, all these things like, you know, it's our, even our school system is repeat after me and follow orders. And uh, we're now being called and, and tested to, you know, like step up, be in your truth, yeah. you know, have, have an opinion, you know, decide what is right, what is wrong. And some of the most alarming things that have been going on right now uh, are like just what I mentioned, observing those that would just even, even just ask the question, like, well, what about this? You know, like, what about that? Just like, boom, like whack-a-mole, like, no, oh, no. And it's just, 
you know, been this one-sided narrative, that is extremely uh, concerning um, and, and the most legitimate of voices. And I know you, I mean, you, you're, you're into like the research, the science, you know, the PhD studies. And it's, it's shocking how much, like even the most credible voices, like, no, 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 we're not hearing that. We're not listening to that. Yeah. That's not a part of what's going on. It's like, no, well, I know. Well, wait a minute here. Right? <laughs> it is. No, without a doubt. And I'm so glad. Well, a lot of things that you said there, and I guess I should say first that I'm grateful for the fact that you followed your gut um, and the fact that you are, you know, finding your purpose and creating that conscious business space to deliver your craft and your art. Like it's such a beautiful thing. And I can relate as someone here in in the London, Ontario community who has uh, actually created a business, uh, one of Ontario's largest kombucha companies. And our tagline always was follow your gut. Now I'm no longer involved in the business, but again, it's, we're not often taught to trust our intuition. And I've been educated or (laughs) I've been overeducated and kind of need to unlearn a lot of the stuff that, you know, I've have a business and political science degree. Um, I've got a master's in physical activity and sudden behavior. And now I'm doing my PhD in forest therapy. But um, it almost seems like, to your point, like none of that really matters right now. And it's, for me, it's always been the journey of following my gut and trying to figure out what exactly my purpose is. So to your other point right now, it's so difficult to come out, like you say, and speak out about an alternative narrative around holistic health because it is very much a whack-a-mole because right now people don't want to hear that. And I do understand that people are, you know, concerned given the virus that we keep hearing about. So it makes sense. But I do want to say thank you so much for doing that because I think um, it's just so important that we are courageous in our purpose it's so easy and I have a very similar purpose to you and um, I feel like sometimes I speak out like that right now and it almost seems like I'm or I get flack in in a way that might be like hey you're trying to like hurt my grandma because you're talking about you know whatever it may be and we'll get maybe more into this stuff but like things like masks and lockdowns not being effective and it's it's quite the opposite I've spent almost 20 years now trying to increase help people increase control over their health so it's just again I I thank you for following that purpose because it's a tough time to do so, um, given yeah. what's going on right now, right? So, yeah. let's let's get into that idea of uh, of the intuition, and, and I'll maybe share a story. You know, as, as I just similar to you, you kind of kind of go down this ap- academic path, and and you know, folks will hopefully be able to relate to this. I, I'm sure growing up, we always knew uh, at least two different types of, of people that approach music in, in two very different ways, right? So uh, my wife, she was classically trained piano. She went through all the kind of conservatory grades and uh, could play beautiful music, you know, off the sheet, like, you know, conservatory classical style music. Um, yeah, wonderful. Amazing. I mean, I'm total, totally in awe of it. And I had other friends that, uh, you know, couldn't read a lick of music, had no idea about any of the theory, but, you know, their ability to play beautiful music was, was, was from, from ear, right? They could just hear it. They had this natural kind of innate sense and ability, um, you know, playing from the heart uh, or, you know, from ears as we describe it. And I started off in that camp, uh, just trying to, you know, figure it out. Like just, I'm drunk it. Okay. You know, here's, here's one of thing. And I had some teachers that would show me and then slowly like the theory kind of crept in, uh, where, you know, I wanted to learn, okay, well, how do, how do I read music, you know, drum music? And then it got into, uh, you know, other types of and instruments and then going to college, it was like that full immersion. So I played music all the way through, um, junior high, high school. And then it was, and that was mostly, by heart, by ear. And then when in college, it was almost hundred percent, you know, just kind of intellectual from the head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as you had just shared that, you know, kind of, kind of got lost in, in this intellectualism. And, and we actually even had a seminar where this guy, he came in and he taught us 
us, you know, college level students how to play one note. That was it. He's like, just play one note. And the whole intent was like, bring us back to feeling music again. Bring us back to hearing music again. Because mm. we've gone, you know, so far down the one pendulum where it was becoming a little bit like awkward, a little bit mechanical. I was like, am I, am I doing this right? Mm. And, you know, the reason I chose jazz is because I love jazz and I, and I love um, that it bridges both of those worlds, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the greatest jazz musicians have the most technical grasp on music. They can play some of the most complex music and that's how jazz is actually structured, right? It's like you have what's called the head, which is the intro, which has all these like complex chord changes and like notes out the yin yang. And then you get into solos and it's like, like then it's just pure like spontaneous most incredible synchronistic synchronization mm -hmm. of you know of what can't be explained by science like the intuition the connectivity like it's it's unbelievable right and then boom it's back right so i think to approach life i learned so much uh from that experience that i've then applied to so many other areas so food and nutrition right it's i think the foundation is follow your gut you do not need a degree to figure out how to feed yourselves yet we've gotten so lost and we have so much intellectual information out there that it does require that faculty to be able to reason to think to logic to understand we, we need both right and that is the ultimate kind of place to be just like jazz is just within nutrition just all right. these areas if you can harmonize what might be described as the left and the right hemispheres of the brain or you know the head and the gut and the heart right all those spaces right. so for me that's um always what i strive for and i, and I think you know it applies to right now and mm -hmm. in our in our day and everything that's going on right it's like how does this feel what are you interpreting on a, on a feeling sense that sixth sense that you know truth like we each have that within us that mm. instinct that intuition and we have our reason our logical mind which you know in our society we've we've kind of praised one over the other right but really it's about bringing those both into harmony yeah without a doubt i'm i'm just thinking of how difficult that is right now because um we are mammals and so there is that herd mentality piece where our you know our mammalian uh brain so to speak wants to connect with others and and you know kind of follow along so to speak but there is that other piece of us like you had mentioned that is that intuitive knowing and um and again we're not it's funny because as you're speaking and i very much uh share your sentiment around the fact that um well i think what we're seeing is a merger of this intuition and science right now and it's kind of a rough and bumpy neck time right to even um for some to want to let go of the maybe science's uh, hegemonic place within, say, the biomedical model. Um, but I'm thinking to people like Einstein, right, where he had that subjective knowing that he was onto something, right? And meanwhile, of course, at the same time, uh, not only using intuition, but you know, using his left brain, I have no doubt. Um, it's just an amazing story of how about 10 years Einstein was laughed at until everything kind of fell into place and the scientific communities accepted him. And then basically it, it was as big as finding out the world's not flat, unless, of course, you think the world's flat and well, not to say you, but people, listeners out there, <laughs> no, joking. But uh, yeah, there is, there's subjective knowing, right? So, um, and yeah, I feel like anytime anybody calls into this subjective knowing right now, they're like labeled, boom, you're a, sound like a conspiracy theorist. It's just, you know what I mean? Where it's just, um, something not that the mainstream saying, or if you call into question, um, something is, you know, from that following your gut place, it's not always so well received if it doesn't fit again, the mainstream. So. 
Yeah, totally. And, and what I find so interesting is that somehow, like we've, we've overlooked that, in fact, the scientific process starts with intuition, doesn't it? Right. Oh, it's yeah. like, hmm, I've got an, like an inference, like, hmm, like curious, right? Like we don't often, you know, say or whatever, like, you know, pinpoint, okay, where's that coming from? But it starts with a hypothesis. Like there's an inference, like, I'm, yeah, I want to explore this. And then you follow out the scientific process to kind of validate or invalidate that. Right. And that's just it. It's someone's own personal bias that they're bringing, their own personality, their own ego and life experience that they're going to bring into the, the laboratory or what have you. So the fact, and this is the thing, like a lot of times, um, again, people within the medical establishment, when I'm speaking about holistic health, um, they often forget which paradigm or not even sometimes know what paradigm they're operating out of. I mean, the philosophical paradigm that is. So a lot of um, current medicine is supposed to be evidence-based, air quotes, and that is done through materialistic, rational science where we can, you know, hammer things down into small parts. But what we're realizing with something like coronavirus is that there's so many variables in place. We can't study these things in a lab. And it kind of goes back to the merger of subjective knowing and science right now. And I really think that the pendulum went so far down the science route or the scientism now. And and now we're starting to kind of, that pendulum is going to, again, rest in the center. And I think we're going to have that equanimity that, you know, is a Vipassana word, right? Where we're able to take our left brain into something, the skills that we know, and then at the same time feel into it, right? So yeah, it's again, it's just a super important topic. And I'm glad this is where we're, we're going with things for sure. Cool. Well, let me, uh, let me share a little tool that I've developed uh, to yeah. help folks, you know, navigate the world of food and nutrition, because I know it, it is a confusing world. Uh, and if you apply this tool, you'll be able to figure out, you know, what, what food is right for you, what diet is right for you. And you just kind of cut through all, all the kind of the BS. And, mm-hmm. and I use this every single day in my own life, but also as, as in my business as well, because I'm, I'm sure you can imagine, you know, as a business owner, like, especially about, you know, a health food store, I get, you know, marketing reps and sales reps like, Oh, you're good. You know, like, here's the latest, greatest, you know, try this, you should sell this. Right. And I've got really high standards. It's not like, Oh, it's in your catalog. Okay. Well, let's just put it on the shelf. Um, it's like, no, like there's a lot of discernment and that's what has helped, um, build our reputation and make it a destination store because people, people trust it in that sense. So it's a tool I call a, a scope and, and it's an acronym. Um, but think of it as a lens. So it's a food scope and the acronym is starts with science. So for, for S, you know, like there's obviously there's so much value that science brings to the table with food and nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. They can tell us what's in a food right? Chemical constituents, the breakdown, the nutrients, uh, how much, you know, on and on and on. Uh, And it can tell us, you know, what the effects are, positive or negative, of those compounds, those nutrients, chemical constituents, you know, on our body, Mm -hmm. you know, short-term, long-term. And it's amazing, right? And uh, it's, we we can really get a lot of guidance from that. And I think what I'll caveat, there's a couple things as it comes to all of these lenses, as well as the science ones specifically, is that they all need to be put together. So science lens, awesome, use it, you know, but you need the other ones with it, just like the other ones need every other one with it to get the full picture. Right. Um, we also need to keep in perspective that science is still new, especially nutrition science, right? I mean, I think a lot of, you know, doctors and whatever, they're like, Sheesh, you know, like it's, you know, like it kind of gets put down because, mm-hmm. It is still in its infancy. It's still evolving and, and growing, and science continues to, you know, new, new discovery, you know, chemical right. founded properly, don't cure cancer or whatever, right? right. Like, 
let it unfold. Like how long ago did we discover vitamin C? How long ago did we discover X, Y, Z? It's a continual unfoldment. Um, and that's good, but it also just puts it in perspective, uh, about science and that we need the other ones too. Um, I, you know, though some people try and eat purely by science alone. <laughs> yeah, I've been there for one, right? And it's, um, yeah, it's, again, it's just my journey is just that merger of, of both those worlds where, say, science and supplementation, where it's just, and then again, on the opposite side, a little more holistic health um, from, you know, the emotions that you're having while you're eating, where you're eating, and, uh, you know, obviously the right foods, making sure you're not eating food intolerances. So, yeah, I've been on, like, kind of both sides of those of the fence for most of my life, and um, it always ba- it has to balance in the middle, right? I think um, as much as, and again, sometimes with the science around nutrition, it's, it's literally when you're looking at apples to apples in certain studies, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges because of parameters and things like that. So it's a very messy neck of the woods uh, when it comes to science, and actually one of my grand ideas is to write a book one day and um something that came to me during a vision quest actually and it's the first time i've ever spoken public publicly about it but it is in the works but yeah essentially the quest for food right so as soon as we started becoming uh removed from nature we started to overthink what the heck we eat and in the process we've kind of lost it all so now i just think it's it's right for this time where we're merging left and right hemispheres or head and heart, however you want to call it, body and soul. But yeah, we're actually getting back to this intuitive eating piece, which I think is, yeah, super important without a doubt. Yeah. Michael Pollan, uh, New York Times food writer, bestseller, incredible thinker and writer. Some of a lot of his books have been turned into documentaries uh, like Indefensive Food, uh, The Botany of Desire, Cooked is another great one. Uh, you know, he gave this analogy, right? Like that we've, we've over-intellectualized food, you know, and made it so scientific that there's, there's, there's such a disconnect, right? You're, you're walking down the grocery aisle and you're like, okay, I know I need antioxidants and I need quercetin and I need this and I need that. And it's like, it's like, well, how do you relate to that? Right. Mm-hmm. Just as a mom in a grocery store trying to feed and nourish your family. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we need these other lenses. So C in the acronym, it stands for culture. Mm-hmm. And again, leading back to Michael Pollan, he says, you know, in this day and age, he feels that culture has more to teach us than does science, government, or industry when it comes to food and nutrition. And unfortunately, science, government, industry are louder voices that have led down the path of this confusion. Not to say that they don't have anything valuable to offer us, but, you know, here we are. And in my journey, when I got really confused, I'd come back from India, I wasn't feeling good, the vegetarian still wasn't working, I'm sure I picked up some parasites, and I went and saw a local herbalist, you know, Dr. Terry Willis and uh he says malcolm if you ever get confused about what to eat just come back to what your ancestors ate i was like what the scottish <laughs> you know like <laughs> and of course you know yeah the, the modern scottish diet <laughs> okay. yeah right the modern scottish diet has, has produced you know a, a country of people that have some of the highest rates of obesity and heart disease um so what we're looking at here is is traditional cultural diets and, and like you said you know it's they did they eat um you know whole animal cookery right uh blood pudding and haggis and this and that and so then i really started to look at cultural diets and here's here's a quick little key piece that we're going to get into um which is the four food groups now the only bad 
you know, reliably bad cultural diet in the world is Western standard American diet, right? The modern diet, the industrialized food diet that all the Western industrialized countries uh, consume. If you want any of the top 10 life, food and lifestyle diseases of the day, take your pick, heart disease, obesity, you know, cancer, diabetes, you know, the list goes on. If, if, if you want a really good chance of getting any one of those, just follow the modern, the modern standard diet. Yeah. Um, we're taught like the four food groups and the food the food pyramid. Now, cultural diets, it turns out there is actually four food groups. Um, and we can look at every single culture throughout time around the world actually does consume food from these four food groups. And uh, it's, it, you know, I, I love it. You know, food should be simple. Um, and so this is a very simple guide. And I love when you apply this guide, you start looking at it. It won't actually tell you what to eat, when to eat, or how much to eat. That's that individual piece that's going to change, you know, with the day, with the month, with the seasons, with the year, the stage of life, all that stuff. It becomes this, this journey. But we have at least a broad framework. And those four food groups are plants, animals, bacteria, and fungi. And each one of those we can dive into a little bit deeper. And I'll say the caveat for all of them requires a diversity. So I already mentioned a little bit how, you know, the industrialized food system, which is making choices about food that are not in our best interest in terms of health, that has resulted in the food system that we have. Of course, they're making choices about profit. They're making choices about, uh, you know, shelf stability, you know, transportation, uh, maximum yield, you know, da 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 on and on and on and on, um, other than, hey, you know, not only like, is this tasty, but is it nourishing? Is it, you know, full of nutrients? And when we make those types of decisions too long and all that goodness gets kind of weeded out, then we run into troubles. So we need uh, a diversity and we need a quality because, you know, like you said, you mentioned, you know, if we look at a study that's like comparing apples to apples, well, where did these apples come from? Or chicken and chicken. You say, well, you know, right. uh, butter is bad for you. Well, what kind of butter are we talking about? Are we talking about like grass-fed butter, <laughs> you know, from a small local dairy? Or are we talking about, you know, the stuff sitting on the, the shelf at the supermarket? Totally different foods depending on the system it comes from. So this is the biggest thing I learned. Uh, and it could be summarized in the phrase, which maybe you've heard is, it's not the cow, it's the how. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, how is that cow raised or any other food that you uh, are looking at? Because mm -hmm. that absolutely affects the quality and the nutrients. I'll say this. I uh, walked into my, well, I guess it was my master's or what have you. And we had seminars with the rest of, you know, my classmates, about a group of 30 grad students within the health promotion field. And then um, I think someone just like quickly just passed over well we all know that you know eating eating cow and or, eat, or eating dairy or eating or whatever specifically it was eating butter is horrible for you actually no that's what it was it was during the time at a western university professor um had put out an article on uh, egg yolks being as bad as smoking making the comparison some somehow through some <laughs> statistics somewhere but it's and then but anyways everyone was just like well yeah of course everyone knows that the saturated fat and you know is bad and then, and then here's here am i have to like courageously again find dig deep and find my purpose it's like well again to your point it's not the cow it's the how and i basically threw a bomb in the middle of the room and i was semi like just fringed for the rest of i, I made a few friends you know without a doubt but still put on the fringe of things right so yeah I, I, thanks for saying that exactly yeah 
Yeah, cool. So let's, let's just quickly dive into yeah. each of those workload groups and how folks can think about, you know, you go, and there's a lot of that terminology like hack it, you know, like what's a little yeah. quick little hack. So a quick little hack for plants is uh, eat the rainbow, right? So Roy G. Biv, you know, black, white, brown, um, every single color in its natural state, right, from nature, we're not talking about, you know, red dye number four, um, is representation of nutrients, a different phytonutrient antioxidant that uh, has a beneficial function in the body so you know we've reduced kind of the color variety uh, in our diet so we need to re-expand that eat the rainbow and i would say uh include herbs as a subcategory right so i'm not a herbalist and, and for years as I, I had friends uh that were studying to be herbalists and you know i chose the path of nutrition and i'm going to become a nutritionist and i really kind of blocked out the world of herbs because it was like oh i'm intimidated i saw a whole other degree you know i can't go down that path and it's like you know i had this shift you know it was a friend of mine he's like, he's like malcolm you know you don't need to be a herbalist you need to be your own herbalist like and plant medicine is the people's medicine it is something that every single culture around the world you know has utilized and practiced and slowly slowly it's kind of gotten weeded out all the way from yeah. you know, witch burnings and you know you name it it's always been there we've always been taking herbs and grinding them up making powders and potions and you know using them as our medicine and, and superfoods right yeah it's all yeah, totally. I mean, that's just until your point about like, well, maybe we'll get there too, but like just looking at the Western uh, food processing system, we've like killed culture in the process of making all these crazy Franken foods. And then in the process killed cultures and all the bacteria and diversity, right. That we have. So it's just amazing. The, some of the stuff that we've done here. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, maybe you can, uh, I, I like, a, a, a new definition of, of herbalism, which, which I love herbalism. I love herbalists. I love all the different traditions but in its pure essence. Uh, it is just wild food intuition is what it is. Right. And herbalism is just the institutionalization, uh, of wild food into intuition. So we all need to kind of come back to that and be our own herbalists mm -hmm. and, uh, not be intimidated by being beginning to bring herbs into our everyday. Without a doubt. Making tinctures is actually something I've taken up in recent years, um, with help of a mutual friend of ours and, uh, just learning all sorts of about herbs, right? Because it is, it is a fascinating and for me being, uh, you know, a holistic lifestyle coach, at least in the past, um, the herbal medicine piece is something that I've always just referred over to like say natural, naturopathic doctors or what have you that, you know, have that intuition. But again, we can, we can take something like a dandelion and, uh, use that plant in so many different ways for medicine, right? Um, I've got some dandelion, uh, root tincture that I'm taking right now for a, a liver uh, protocol, right? Just for overall health care of my liver. So just amazing what's there right in our, on our front lawns, right? Yeah, cool. So I know, I know you and I could probably talk for hours and there's, there's so many like rabbit holes we could go into and, right. and herbalism getting into that is, is a big giant one as, as is talking about the full spectrum of plant food. Mm -hmm. So just in the essence of time, I'll kind yeah, of like sure. And over and just offering these hacks. So with animal foods, again, think about the system that it comes from uh, and, you know, the smaller scale, the better. And another really, really key point included in that diversity uh, is uh, eating the whole animal. Right. So, you know, I'm into whole foods. Right. But it's like, how often do I actually eat the whole animal? Right, yeah. <laughs> Most people, it's like chicken breasts, it's steaks, it's, you know, thighs. It's like it's a very, they're picking pieces of the animal. Right. And there's absolutely conclusive evidence that our health is intimately connected to consuming every part and that 
uh, oftentimes, you know, the organs on a nutrient perspective balance out all that kind of muscle and tissue need. Right. And one uh, on that note, one thing I love to do is I'll make a bone broth out of a chicken carcass and I'll boil that for at least 24 hours. And then all those little flexible bits of bone and, and connective tissue, I'll actually take those and separate those and I'll either blend them up or I just take some fermented hot sauce that I've made and I'll, I call it caveman chicken wings because you're eating the bones and all that other parts for all, again, all the, the nutrients coming from that, right? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a great segue to the next uh, kingdom and food group, which is uh, bacteria, which are fermented foods. Mm-hmm. And again, modern industrialized food system had almost all but eliminated that or it uh, had changed it, transformed it, you know, through things like pasteurization, where we're getting these like sterilized fermented foods uh, mm-hmm. and some of the greatest, you know, foods, delicacies from around the world are fermented and uh, absolutely essential. These are all key food groups. You cannot get nutrients from, like each of them offers nutrients that you can't get from the other. Uh, fermented foods, you know, it's probiotics, right? So it's about that, that ties into that whole thing of like the microbiome of which, you know, nutrition science is, is kind of on the cutting edge really, and yeah. exploring and so many other benefits. Like it helps, uh, there's a lot of practical functions like, you know, preserving our food, but it helps pre-digest it. It actually, so a lot of people who are maybe sensitive to dairy, sensitive to wheat, uh, beans, grains, you know, this kind of a thing, the fermentation uh, is a transformative action that actually helps our body, uh, not only digest, uh, that food, but assimilate the nutrients. And it has been shown to increase the amount of nutrients. Like there's more vitamin C and sauerkraut than there is in cabbage. There's more B vitamins in fermented foods. There's more protein. Like there's lots and lots that gets released uh, from fermented foods. Plus, literally, the bacteria themselves are also a source of nutrition. Yeah, it's amazing the information that we get from food that's full of bacteria and rich because, I mean, I think of food as more than just the the macronutrients going in. It's information, right, that we're getting. So by consuming these bacteria and having a diverse amount of them, we're able to interact in our world in a much more natural way or at least a way that we've been doing for, you know, thousands upon years with these foods, right? Totally. And, and I think maybe if we want to tie in the, the broader uh, scope of our conversation, especially what happens to happening right now, uh, everything we're talking about with these four food groups is so key and so important. And, and oftentimes, you know, we forget like, OK, we're in the middle of this, you know, massive public health crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, that is only being allowed, you know, for a number of reasons. And let's just even put aside, you know, all the conspiracies and any kind of counter narrative, like, okay, if that's the case. If like people are dropping dead, like left, right, and center, people are getting sick. We've got, you know, threat of this virus. It's because we've moved away from plants as medicine. It's because we've moved away from whole animal cooking. Right. It's because we've moved away from, you know, medicinal mushrooms as a source of medicine. And it's absolutely because we've uh, moved away from bacteria as a food source bacteria is a symbiotic relationship a part of our microbiomes and unfortunately so many people are just continuing down that path of like you know sterilization and more on bacteria where i think that's what's brought about this type of uh state of non-health to begin with Without a doubt. And it, I mean, it's just amazing looking at research that I, is near and dear to me having, you know, a, a business within fermented foods and that is um, looking at studies. And again, not to say every, we're all rats, but looking at studies where they've taken uh, fecal transplants from one uh, healthy weight rat and giving it to an obese rat. And then that individual or rat essentially losing weight, right? So, and right now, 
it's kind of crazy to me when we look at the actual data and who is having a rough time with this virus and we're seeing it's individuals who are obese, right? And it's just like, well, wait a minute. Why aren't we talking about all these amazing things like vitamin D, for example? People who have a rough yeah. time with this uh, virus have low vitamin D levels. So it's like, why isn't this being talked about? This is easy first-line defense we can all you know, do by just going outside and getting some sun, right? So, totally. Yeah. Yeah, or, or eating you know, natural eggs or eating liver. Right, like, yeah. All these foods are, are known to kind of boost our vitamin D levels. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the people that are being affected the most – on average, 2.6 comorbidities, right? Like these are, and, and I get it, like just before someone like jumps down and says, well, I know somebody who's super healthy and they become susceptible that, okay, I, I hear those stories. You know, there's obviously some exceptions, but the vast majority, like 95, 98, 99 plus percent, um, it is people that are already struggling physically, you know, with their health. Well, and to the point about other people uh, who are healthy, not to get, get too down on a rabbit hole, but there is the whole idea that, you know, you've got sick, healthy people, right? I mean, I've, in my younger business school days, I was a personal trainer and I was crushing it. Everyone looked at my, my abs and they thought, hey, this guy's healthy. Hey, he knows all this about nutrition. And at the end of the day, I'm, you know, slowly getting sick inside, right? So, and, and again, beating my head to the you know grindstone with school work and everything like that i was stressed if something like this virus is around in that time of my life i probably if i would have you know i believe i have picked it up fought it and i'm fine but um i believe at that point in my life if i would have something like this i would have been yeah kicked down a couple stairs for sure without a doubt yeah for sure well as you mentioned that made me think of something else this idea of like you know, sick, healthy people or healthy people that are infected. So this idea that asymptomatic uh, carriers, right? They've got the disease. Well, asymptomatic, it means, means you're healthy, right? Like you have no symptoms, you know, 40% of people don't even know they've, they've had the coronavirus, right? Like they just carry on. Uh, I know there's definitely a bit of debate in gray area in terms of, are they transmitting uh, the disease? But, you know, that is how we should be. Viruses are a part of our microbiome. Uh, they are a part of our own internal and external ecosystem. And uh, I know we'll probably get into this as well, that kind of, you know, two different paradigms, which I think there's there's room for those to come together. But the opposing uh, viewpoints are terrain theory versus germ theory, right? Mm-hmm. Germ theory, Louis Pasteur, it's all about the germ. It's all about the microbe. we got to kill it. we got to like, it's bad. And the terrain theory says, hey, there are germs, there are viruses, there are microbes, but if we maintain a healthy ecosystem, then they can't take over. Uh, and, you know, a good example would be the uh, the swamp breeds the mosquito, the mosquito doesn't breed the swamp, right? I personally am more on the terrain theory idea that it's really the environment mm-hmm. that will allow. And, and I also, again, it's kind of like the yin-yang, right? It's like, here's my truth with a little dot of... Yeah, you could still have an incredibly healthy train system and there might be that one little thing that comes in and takes you out, you know, like, we don't, so yeah. it is a merger of the two. Right. Well, just it's the, it's an analogy of like a tomato plant. You've got a, a full, lovely tomato plant. Some of those tomatoes on a certain side of the plant just happen to get this black spot, fall off and die, right? Like we, what is it about that specific ecosystem? But I think to your point, it is looking at the, the terrain and saying like, well, what's the environment like over there or what, you know, but uh, to say it's genetics and we therefore have to like immunize all these tomato plants before they all get sick. It's like not necessarily right. A lot of them are still healthy and good. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know we were talking about uh, the scope. We're going through science. 
in the myth of culture, the last little piece within culture, as we're looking at the four food groups that all humans consume, the very last one from plants, animals, bacteria, and fungi, those are mushrooms. And that's all the way from single-celled yeast to these kind of large, noble polypores, things like reishi mushroom, chaga, lion's mane, so on and so forth, that are you know gaining uh, more kind of attention, notoriety, tons of research about those. Uh, and I guess all I'll just say is that uh, fungi have been allies. They have been uh, organisms that, that humans have used as both food and medicine throughout millennia. They are key allies, again, all the way from yeast and even molds, you know, that whole kingdom. Uh, even a huge number of our pharmaceuticals today are from the fungi kingdom. And so I guess my kind of suggestion is uh, to A, first acknowledge that, and then B, begin to consciously bring in sources of fungi uh, as food and as medicine. And, and my approach is to do that in a kind of a more natural, you know, whole food way. Um, so that, that's the piece that kind of finishes culture off for me. Um, and then as we keep going through that acronym, so O would be uh, opinions, others' experiences. And, you know, like you mentioned, we are we're social animals, we're herd animals. Uh, we can learn a ton from other people. Uh, it can also be used against us, right, in terms of, of, of being influenced. Right, yeah. But don't let that dissuade you, right? Like I have, you know, I have fast tracked my learning along this path by just simply like paying attention to other people. Like, what are they doing? I first got into spring water because a, a friend told me, he's like, like, dude, you got to try it. And like, you know, water straight out of the earth. And I was like, well, but, but, but wait, you know, like, how can you do that? You can't do that. He's like, well, I've been doing it for like, you know, 10 years now. Like it feels the best ever. And here's the science and here's how other cultures did it. Right. It was lining up all those lenses where I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Yeah. So, and, and we really need to be discerning when I was, um, you know, part of my raw vegan path that I kind of pulled my family along with, uh, and I brought my, my wife and my daughter down that path, you know, because I was so inspired by others' experiences and their stories of like, you know, raw food healing and this and that. But once I kind of took a step back, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Like, let me actually really truly look at who are these individuals? How long have they been on this diet? What stage of life are they in? Um, and just put it into context. Right. So when it came to then, appropriately nourishing you know my wife and daughter and through that you know pregnancy and uh breastfeeding and all that you know i had i then instead of just looking at you know 30 year old males or you know you know young women that have been on the raw food diet for six months right i was like let me look at you know mothers and their experiences it became so much more uh informed and i know that sounds really obvious but you know i totally missed it right so having that kind of acronym uh and that scope and putting it through each lens and so the very last two are personal experience and that's really what brings it all together and that's that intuition um but again you you know, you can't just do it alone, right? I'm not saying like, just use your experience, right? It's like, I'm going to go to the forest. I'm going to pick this mushroom, you know, yeah. I'm going to try it. You know, forget what science says, forget what culture says, forget the other people yelling at me saying, don't eat that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Thanks for saying that. We don't want to get this one censored for, uh, for that. No. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's, every lens, you can look at any food, any diet and know if it's right for you because, you know, sure. Science might say, you know, 
look at this food. It's incredible. Like spirulina, you know, like nutrients out the yin yangs, complete protein, 65 different vitamins, minerals, you know, the cultural diets, you know, the, the Aztecs consumed it, you know, the health food community is raving about it, but you try it. And it's like, ah, you know, like I got a reaction. It didn't sit well. Like, you know, ultimately it does come down to you. Um, but we need to put all those lenses together. Oh, that's, that's so good. I'm so glad that we went over that and it's, it's practical as heck. I love that acronym. Um, and I think it's important because, again, going back to people are kind of fed up with um, your standard Canadian food guide type thing. People are saying this isn't enough or they're, they're becoming privy that I need to take control. So I, I, what I find is interesting is all is that folks who aren't so keen maybe or maybe this is just my biased experience, but people who aren't so keen on holistic eating or intuitive eating, however you want to call it, are the ones that, you know, are, are kind of really pushing for, not to say the only ones, but they are some of the people who are pushing for lockdowns, pushing for masks, and it's putting that ex, like that locus of control outside of themselves, or maybe they don't believe they have control, which I feel for them, but I'm just so grateful that you're delivering this message right now and letting people know this is how we regain control, because at the end of the day, I mean, I do believe this podcast is hopefully helping individuals increase control over their health, and again, just kind of be able to intuitively know um, that they're they are their own healer, essentially, right? We are our own healers. Our, our number one healthcare uh, system that we could have here in Canada is self-care first, and then we could start talking about filling in the pieces. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, it, I think that's the most revealing thing. You know, I, I literally, every day I talk to, you know, or get and get messages from, you know, nurses, paramedics, firefighters, doctors, um, and it's true. They, what they, what they're saying about, we could overwhelm the healthcare system is true because it's already at max, right? It doesn't take much to kind of flip the switch. Um, you know, we have a, an incredible sick care system that people leave their health right until the last, until they're in some sort of state of disease or emergency. And they rely on this system that is already burdened. So right. yeah, you have, again, just put all the other kind of counter nerves aside, you know, if they're is this kind of deadly crazy you know virus that could make everyone sick you know for sure like this is this is the result we're going to get um and that's that's the state we're in so it is like the biggest fundamental way to change this and not continue down that path relying on this end stage sick care emergency system which plays a role it has its place but we 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 abused it right we've overused it we're over reliance on it and so we need to shift that individually and then that will shift the whole thing culturally societally but unfortunately it's it's not it's not the conversations that are happening in the mainstream narrative and that's why your podcast is so important that's why you know I work with nutritionists I work with herbalists like my other since I have business experience and I've had success I've also shifted my mission right inspiring positive contribution you know in in the world mm-hmm. is empowering all these other people like man you got you got to get your your voice out there you got to get your message heard yeah. and you got to have do it in a way that supports you that you have a livelihood that you can do this full time right on no that's so important because can't it can't do this stuff for free it's just not possible in the world we live in but uh i thank you for you know putting that all in a very positive note or as i see it because um this is an opportunity to change. It's an opportunity to see uh, what doesn't work and fix it. And yeah, I mean, lockdowns and things like that were originally to slow the, you know, the ons, the spread of, of the virus. And so to not overwhelm our uh, sick care system, as I often call it as well, um, to overwhelm it, right? So yeah, I like to think 
I really do like to put a positive spin on this and it might sometimes sound like it's an uphill battle, but um, yeah, we have the opportunity to change and it's, this virus isn't happening to us. I like to think of it happening for us, right? Like it's here, here's a great opportunity. And, and again, it's like all things in nature, um, the most beautiful things in nature, like a diamond come from tons of pressure and the hottest, hottest fires in the center of the earth to create these diamonds. So it's never easy, this stuff, but it, it is kind of what we're left with, at least as I see it and like to share on the show is that, hey, this is on our watch. we got to find our purpose, center ourselves, get quiet in nature. And again, it's just, um, it's just this full circle of us coming back, I think, to our connection with nature and this intuitive uh, ability we have with our food. So, Yeah. All right. Well, let me, uh, I, I, would be a mess not to share this because I think even in the last week or two, it is really coming to the forefront that there is a solution, that there is a great reset that we can, you know, catalyze society to take advantage of this, you know, chaos and everything that we're going through to this kind of new, greater, better future. And when you start to look at the wording um, of the World Economic Forum, the UN Agenda 2030, uh, it paints quite a kind of lovely picture. It's like equality for all, environmentalism and you know like this kind of nice picture and and i you know i i'm gonna stay away from that this is an evil conspiracy and whatever um i would just you know get people to start thinking as this comes up more and more because you're going to hear both sides you're going to hear a lot of like you know this is the new world order and this is all conspiracy and then you're going to hear the media you know trying to like gaslighted and and, and this and that Um, just have a little bit of a thinking around this so I personally you're going to hear it in my voice I'll just state it up front I categorically reject the great reset reject the UN agenda 2030 Um, not because I don't believe in equality not because I don't believe environmentalism it's because how it's being presented this top down approach that once you get into the details once you get into the minutia of it you realize it's just it's it's global governments. It's another form of control. Um, and it's moving in the absolute wrong direction, uh, that we want to go, uh, the, the, the larger the governing body in the farther out that we go, the less room there is for you as an individual. Right. And someone painted it so perfectly, you know, cause one of their slogans is, is like, you know, it's, it's 2030, you, you own nothing, you have no privacy yeah, and right. you're really happy. Well, on, on one end, you know, like, isn't that communism, you know, in the sense of like, you own nothing. Well, uh, it, but, it is, you know, it is from a, from a, you know, an old school political science buff. Yeah, exactly. It very much is. Yes. <laughs> Which I don't think and, we, I don't think everyone wants. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and the other, the other thing that, that someone pointed out was like, well, who owns it? Right. It's like, we're, this is like billionaires. It's, it's politicians. It's, it's these elite that are like, have this plan for everybody. Like, no, don't worry. You'll, you'll own nothing. And uh, you know, like, so you're going to own it all. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny. Cause I remember sitting in again, that same seminar class back in my master's and we were tasked with uh, creating like a health policy to, to save people from obesity or what have you. And, and then I kind of looked around my group and I said, is it up to us to save people from obesity? right isn't it their you know decision more so or or you know maybe maybe circumstances maybe equality a lot of reasons that could lead to this but for me as some you know educated grad student to come in and be like and I do the air quotes there. I don't know if everybody can see that but air quotes you know educated grad student to come in and say I know better than your own intuition that's been developed for thousands upon thousands of years um 
it just doesn't sit well with me, right? And it, that would be kind of, again, imposing this, like, oh, this better world, this new new world order, which, again, is more top-down, where it's leaving no room for intuitive eating. Like, if, if this continues, like, if you look at rates of, um, look at what's in your common grocery store, and you'll see carrots reduced down to orange, apples reduced down to these ones that have been genetically modified to be sweeter, this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute, we're losing that ability, even if we have intuition. It's like, oh, you've got... Apples, oranges, that's that's your whole choice, right? So it's, I think it's important that, and I'm really happy that you're saying this because it is important that um, we talk about what this is. I think these individuals are doing what they see as best, but they don't have the knowledge that you and I do. They don't have the experience that maybe you and I do looking at other cultures and how they eat and how, how close they are to their food. And um, they don't know things like terrain theory, right? A lot of folks, sometimes people... You know, sometimes I have to remember that not everyone sees the picture the way I do and that, you know, we are in this transitionary time of a new paradigm within medicine and science and that, um, yeah, we're slowly switching over. So, again, I'm, I, I again, thank you for speaking and right now during this time because sometimes it's for me, it's like, geez, how am I going to frame this in such a way where I'm not pissing off my uh, folks at school, which is like the, the powers that be at school and at the same time doing what I'm here to do, which is help people, right? So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, cool. Right on. No doubt. Well, I see we're uh, getting up on our hour here, so I respect your time. Um, and I know you're, you're busy with a fermentation festival and whatnot this weekend, I believe. So um, I guess what I'll do is I'll kind of wrap this up with a few uh, – well, let's do this. One more thing um, because we're going to uh, have an offering for listeners here, and that's going to be for a, uh, a free ebook. So if you yeah. – yeah, so specifically though, when looking at your site and everything – you have um, a wealth of knowledge on the world of elixirs, tasty elixirs. I'm also an elixir lover as someone, as a fermentation junkie and kombucha enthusiast. So maybe share with folks one real practical thing. If they want to leave right now, I want to help myself be healthier. And whether they can go down to the local health food store or wherever and buy these ingredients to make an elixir. What type of an elixir is coming to you right now that you could share yeah, with folks? Totally. Yeah. So just to quickly explain the, the concept because I know. Yeah, what know, is an elixir too? Yeah. That uh, elixir can conjure up all kinds of images and imaginings. Uh, so, kind of practically, functionally, uh, a friend of mine described it. He's like, he's like, "Okay, Malcolm, I think I'm getting it." It's like, is it sort of like if bulletproof coffee and superfood smoothies got together and had a baby? Like, would that be an elixir? And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty much it." That's so, on a, on a practical terms, it is literally, you know, we have that that saying, "Let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy like food." Uh, I describe it as the best in modern nutrition with ancient herbal wisdom, and you know, the coffee analogy that represents, you know, herbs, right? It's it's a very popular beverage that has a herbal function, right? In the sense of like, you know, boosting energy, increasing focus, like, you know, that type of thing. And then the smoothie, it's like that grab and go, all your nutrients for the day. Now imagine a beverage that that brings those two together. Uh, not literally, because I, I don't think that would taste very well, <laughs> yeah. but crafted, you know, artfully, intelligently um, for what I describe as flavor, function, feeling, mm. right? It's, it's this idea of, of crafting a drink for flavor, for function, for feeling. Um, that's what an elixir is. And the best thing is you don't have to, you know, take on a new habit. It's like, oh, you know, you got to start exercising more, although that's always good too, right? People struggle with creating new habits. So anytime, I think most people have a morning coffee or an afternoon tea or, a, you know, grab and go smoothie, right? So it's upgrading, it's elevating what you already do, just expanding it out. Um, so you don't have to create a new habit. 
And it's just, you're literally, you're just, you're just adding this into your everyday. So change nothing, right? But like still keep eating your chicken, doing this, doing that, you know, thinking about a course, the, the, the four food groups that we talked about and those kind of like little hack principles mm-hmm. as well that you can integrate, but it's like, keep doing what you're doing, right? And just start to add in elixirs, um, you know, make it easy. And so I've seen a ton, a ton of benefits from people doing that, bringing in, you know, food and medicine into this kind of one quick, easy beverage. Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's important. It's just something new. Elixir was one of those kind of sexy new words within the health field, I think, in the last few years. So it's, it's I think, still a lot of people are like, what the heck is an elixir anyway? So, um, yeah, one of my favorite things, and you're talking about bulletproof coffee with this and that, is, again, just throwing things like uh, your mush- mushrooms into your into your coffee, right? So a function, like I, just today, I had my chaga mushroom coffee and uh, with, with some butter and some MCT oil, a little bit of cinnamon, and, yeah, start my day like that. So, um, yeah, so much function there. I, I appreciate cool. that. Um, so, yeah, last question. And it's a question I asked everybody. Uh, you know, we've chatted a lot about intuitive eating today and kind of juxtapose that on the scene on this, you know, uh, for the lack of uh, attention it's getting within the mainstream. Tell me, what is your wildest dream for the earth? Right. Okay. Incredible. Um, I think it, it is, you know, it obviously ties in a lot of what we've been talking about. And I think for humans to get there is that merger of those, those two ways of knowing, right? Like the, the reason, the logic, the intellect, the scientific thick. Uh, thinking and reasoning, but also that heart-based way of being and knowing and living, developing both those faculties. And I think if we move forward in that way, if we move forward, I love how you said it. It's like, do we need this top-down like policy creation, like the social engineering from technocrats, or should it come from the ground up? Should it be led by the individual? Um, not from, you know, people who are ignorant and have no idea what's going on, right? But from a space of developing both those faculties, uh, I think that is the ultimate way to go. And, you know, when it comes to like environmental policy, yeah, like we need to respect the earth, but I think it needs to come from that knowing of, of how to live right, how to live well, how to live in balance, live in harmony with nature right. and community and, and, you know, that versus kind of a top down. So I really want to see people develop both their faculties, uh, tune in and yeah, move from that space and away from this kind of top down technocracy that's, that's coming in. Thank you. I share that sentiment for grassroots movements without a doubt. I find within research and within health promotion, um, you can't just go and tell someone to do this or do that, eat this way, move more, sit less. It really does have to come from the grassroots and those people involved with that problem have to actually take ownership of it. And then from there can do what needs to be done. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. We're, we're at a breaking point right now. It's like, you can't even leave your house, right? Yeah. Cause you're being told. Yeah. And, uh, this it's like you say, it's, it's a little bit ugly. It's a little bit like uncomfortable cause yeah. there's this ton of perturbation going on, but it's, it's coming to a head. Right. And you know, one of my good friends, you know, we, we've been saying for years, right. Like knowing, like looking at society, seeing what's going on. It's like, we're like, wow, like how long can this go on for? Right. Yeah. Like this trajectory, we've all known that the trajectory we've been on, the life we've been living, how most people yeah. are kind of, you know, uh, asleep awake kind of yeah. a thing. Um, you know, okay, here is the shift. Here's the opportunity for a great reset. If we want to call it that, but let's envision it ourselves individually and communities you know, from bottom up, not, not a top down. 
without a doubt. And it reminds me of a jo Joanna Macy's work um, in The Great Transition, I believe is the name of the book. But yeah, again, this is people have been talking about this within conscious circles or uh, for some time. And for me to kind of be in new to it, let's say in the last 10 years of my life and to be like, wow, it's here on our watch. It's just, again, such an amazing opportunity. And it's so great because people like you and I are able to connect and, you know, and share this news with other Canadians and, and Americans and people around the world. So I, I again, I really appreciate you being here. I uh, respect your time because we're there at the hour. And uh, I guess before we go though um thank you for being here yet again and uh yeah please tell folks how they can find you and then again that offering in regards to uh, the free ebook okay cool so my company light seller l-i-g-h-t-c-e-l-l-a-r uh light and seller um you can find dot ca uh find the website there and they'll connect you to kind of some of the social stuff we're doing the online courses that we have like you mentioned we're running a fermentation festival right now we have elixir crafting courses make your own chocolate goes on and on and on so lots of resources there and of course through the social media at light seller on instagram facebook youtube uh and then my on personal work uh, at The Malchemist. You can find me on various platforms as well. Right, yeah. And I really do appreciate all the content you're personally putting out right now. And um, yeah, it was, uh, we didn't get too much onto the, down that rabbit hole of all things that people might air quotes call conspiracy, but you know what? This went well and I hope you come back on the show and we can chat about many other things again, so. Yeah, totally. We, we have lots more to chat about. So thanks again for initiating conversation today and look forward to next. Indeed. Thank you. And thanks everybody listening out there. Please check out all of Malcolm's work. And if you've got a minute and you enjoyed this episode, please stop by on the platform of your choice and leave a rating and review. Thank you very much for listening. Much love and stay wild. for listening to the rewild my bio podcast please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you have enjoyed this episode i have so much gratitude for all of you who continue to share this show with your friends it really does mean so much to me if you want more content from rewild my bio then please check out rewildmybio.com to find previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter in the newsletter i share blogs i have written and reflections from my current health promotion research please follow along on instagram and telegram with the handle at rewildmybio and on Twitter, at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.